Welcome to another episode of Soccer Works live at the Eastern Shore Premier Cup. This is a roundtable edition of the show, and I am joined on this episode by Xavier, Coach Zav, Zave, Zav, Xavier, goalkeeper extraordinaire. Introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, yes, Coach, uh, Coach Xavier uh, from France. Came here uh, about seven, eight years ago. Played in college and then uh, what college? Sticked around. Uh, University of Mobile. Yeah, I'm asking that because uh, that's where my wife and I went to school as well. So a mm-hmm. uh, little uh, hit for the for the University of Mobile. Um, little school with a little bit of an international reach. Yes. And um, you know it it is uh, really cool when you connect with people that are you know from from the university. So what was your kind of starting point in getting into the game. You grew up in France. You didn't yes. come to America um, until you came to college. That's right. Right? So what was life like growing up, playing in France, learning the game in France? Um, it was a lot different than it's probably here for a kid uh, my age at the time. Uh, I lived about four minutes walking distance from uh, the Lyon Stadium. Uh, I could hear the fans screaming when, you know, when the goal was called. Uh, so yeah, lots of really good memories. Just uh, woke up in France in, in 98, uh, where the streets were just uh, full of, you know, different different people, all the different countries. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a, just a really good environment, good experience. And, um, and yeah, a lot, a lot different than, than what we can see here. So growing up in the shadows mm-hmm. of Lyon, um, the the feeling as a kid was the dream to put on that that jersey one day. Oh yeah, right. Yes. Um, was that kind of the shared dream of all the kids in the in the community? Was that it? Is Lyon the, the, the main club that is supported yes. in, that, so in that city? Yes, especially, yes. In Lyon, the, um, the club culture in Lyon is really strong. Um, we have our um, biggest rival, I believe, 45 minutes away, and it's one of the biggest rivalry in France. Which uh, is? Saint-Étienne. Okay. Uh, they play in green, and we hate them. Right. Um, as um, you should, all as rivals. Should. <laughs> yes, this goes out to you, AFC Mobile. <laughs> no, but um, so yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you just uh, grow up with um, with that passion for the city, not just the club and the team, but also for the city. And you, you know, you love your city, you love the club. Um, I had the chance to play uh, for the academy, so you know, growing up in the environment with seeing the players, seeing. Um, you know, younger players that, you know, um, that get to walk on the field, you know, you get to walk on the field with the players, I think, um, for, for the games, the championship games, and you're just in, in that atmosphere. And it's just, it seems normal when you're there, uh, but then you travel and you realize it's not, and, and what a chance you had. Right. Really. Makes you yeah. appreciate it. Oh yes, yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yeah so you, you're you're growing up. You're playing. You are playing in the academy, mm-hmm. and you come to a point 
where where there's a decision that has to be made or was it made for you about kind of progressing with Leon versus this, um, this little so school in Mobile, Alabama in the United States? So Leon, I was there for about five years when I was young. Okay. Uh, younger, so I played um, all up until under 12s. Okay. Um, at under 12s, I joined um, my local club. Uh, we still played in, in, in the same like leagues, divisions, but it was just my local club. Uh, two years after that, I went a little bit further uh, and uh, had the chance to play for the, uh, the, the top league uh, for the under-14s. And then I played the top league on the 14s. On the 16s, I joined uh, Dijon, which at the time was a second division club and now is a first division club for about five, six years now. Um, and then I moved again to uh, Grenoble, who at the time was um, a first division club as well, um, and played <coughs> sorry, played um, U14, U16, and U18 at the, 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 top, the top league, the national league, uh, every year. So um, after the uh, under-18s, I was you know, playing with the reserve, the, the club went bankrupt, and uh, they basically told everyone that wasn't from from uh, local, uh, we can we can keep you here. So you're gonna have to find a club. Uh, and it was kind of late in the season, and we didn't expect it. So uh, a few of us, uh, a few of us got you know other uh, other clubs found other you know challenges, and uh, I I didn't at the time. So I was. I went back home, uh, went to school, and about three, two months in, I said, Mom, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a new challenge. Uh, and at the time, I had a friend who actually was already here in the U.S., okay. in, uh, in Missouri, and he said, uh, Xavier, you need to come check this out. This is, this is legit. You, you, you do everything that we've done in, in the academy. It's just just uh, just here you know you play in college and you get your education so you go to school you go to training you with the boys same thing same thing that I was used to and, right and what I was missing when I was home so so how did tell us the story how did the University of Mobile find you did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you or so um, I reached out to a uh, an agency back home that kind of uh, put players in contact with schools and okay. universities here uh, looking for um, international players. Um, and Mobile was the first school coming to me. And so at the time, um, when back home, I had trouble. I had like trust trust issues, but my trust in, in the system back home was kind of uh, falling apart. And so when I saw Mobile, you know, from two or three videos and, and, and good words from the agency about me, uh, mobile jumping on board and saying, "Yeah, we want this guy." I was like, "All right, like, you know, that shows they they know what they want." Right. Uh, compared to all the clubs where you had to send resume, code, you know, left and right, and go to trials and and go back, and I'm like, I mean, you know, it's uh, it was so easy. Right. You and felt wanted. So, yeah, exactly. You know, they, they they saw what they wanted. It was it was good they were going for it and they just let you know so who was the coach at the time so at the time the coach um was peter fuller okay uh and i actually arrived the summer that he left 
and went on to a New England Revolution. Okay. And so my head coach when I uh, got here my freshman year was uh, Roy Patton. Okay. Who who is known known around here and uh, was at South Alabama for a while and yeah, so played and three years. And was he the coach the whole time you were here? He was the coach for three years, freshman freshman year through uh, junior year, and then my senior year, Coach Whelan, Daniel Whelan, was um, was our head coach. Okay. And he is still, and he's still there, for, for everyone listening, he is still the head coach there. He's also uh, one of our coaches here at, at the Gulf Coast Rangers. And um, so you, you come to America, mm-hmm. you are a goalkeeper, yeah. you're playing in a university, uh, what what was it like? Was it like culture shock when you came to Alabama and you're like, I'm going to play goalkeeper where? Yes. Um, so at the time, I was just excited. I was just excited to, to come. I, I had no idea what I was going. Uh, and I I remember I land, uh, I land at the airport. I come out and I can't breathe. You know, the, the humidity and the, the it's so warm. And I'm People like, don't understand. If everyone <laughs> listening, he is not exaggerating. The humidity is like being in a soup bowl, and our mosquitoes are the size of birds. It's it's awful, and um, if you're not used to it or not prepared for it, it will uh, it will knock you down. Oh yes, and I was received by Daniel Willen, who was the assistant at the time, and um, and the goalkeeper coach at the time, uh, and so they just took me in. And yes, I remember um, driving down uh, Airport Boulevard and thinking, wow. It's different. Is, yes. Very different. Uh, at night, too. So I was like, whoa, what is going on? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> there there are so many places I could go with this uh, interview because I, I, <laughs> I love culture and, and, and I love to travel. I love going to Europe and I love European cities. I love the fact that most of the cities in Europe are very walkable, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's very much... Um, this sense of community in the way that the structures are are built mm-hmm. close together and you you talk about you know growing up four minutes you know from uh, the stadium and you can hear the noise and the mm-hmm. where in America we have land and land and land so things there's sprawl you know that that happens so it's, it's so different so I, it that part to me like is fascinating and I, and I love having uh, conversations about that. One of the things I want to ask you about is when you were looking at coming over and you're going to come to college, financially, what was that like for you? Was it was it a situation where it was full-ride scholarship? Were you having to pay for some of this? Like, what, what was the realities of being a college soccer player in America coming over with an international slot? Um so yes, financially it was obviously, you know, my, my parents could would would not have been able able to um, to pay for my education here. So the, the scholarship was big um, a big part of my decision to go to a school. Um, but other than that, it was it was pretty much um, it was pretty much just life is not more expensive or less expensive than it is back home so regarding to that uh, aspect it was it was pretty much the same the the, the, the biggest deal really was the, the the scholarship and being you know being lucky enough to 
to be able to uh, to to play and 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 get a degree and get an education uh, for free. So that was that was a, a big, 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 um, very important part of it. And at the school, you met your now wife. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and she's from Alabama. Mm -hmm. So um, you've got a. French guy married to a, an American girl from from the South, from yeah. Alabama. What what is uh what what is what is your family like? How how did they process all this? Like, oh my gosh, she's not coming home. Yeah. So um, my parents were my parents were always I say used to, but they, they, I think they got used to not having me at home because uh, uh, when I was fourteen, I went away. And play, played, and you know, in, in in academies, and going to school, and and leaving there, really living with, living with your teammates, um, and so I think they were used to it. So it was maybe a little bit easier. Um, Do you have brothers and sisters? I've got, yeah, I've got two little sisters. So okay. that that's um, it's um, I wouldn't say it's a struggle, but it, it's something that is part of you. You know, you, you you're not there, and. Um, you miss, you miss a lot of things, um, but it's something that I've always, um, you know, we call them sacrifices, you know, and, and when, you, when you have dreams and when you want to achieve something, you, you make sacrifices, and that, that's, that's a big word, but it's, it's true. It's, uh, if you want to achieve something, you, you're going to have to pass on something. many other things. Yeah, you got to give up other things. Right, you you got to give up other things, so... Um, and now we're lucky we've got, you know, FaceTime, Skype, so, you know, you're just a, a call away. I could just give you my dad right now. So. Right. Which, which is awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's... How uh, often do you get to go over and see them, or do they get to come over here and, and um, see they've, you? They've come over, I think, three times now. Um, and I used to go, obviously, during, uh, during college, I, I would go over for uh, Christmas. I would... Um, I think I've, I spent two summers here, uh, so two summers back home. Uh, lately, I've not been able to go as much because of uh, different things going on in life. Um, but we're going back uh, in May, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. So you um, you play at the University of Mobile. Mm -hmm. You come over. It's a whole new world. You're, you're learning this whole new landscape, and then you decide to go even further with that exploration and you get involved with coaching. Mm -hmm. So talk us through this um, thought process, this decision of, okay, I want to, you know, not just play the game. Obviously you're, you're playing a, a, at the university of mobile, but also taking that next kind of step down that path of, okay, I want to stay involved in the game and I want to do that as a coach. What was, what was going through your mind when you were first looking at getting into coaching? Um, first, it was uh, I think I was hitting a stage where I, I, I needed. Um, first, I was thinking about the after, you know, after college, after playing, um, and at the same time, I knew that I was never going to be away from the field, um, and I've always dreamed to. My, my, my biggest dream from when I was a little kid was to leave my life of soccer. 
So that, uh, and and growing up, I thought he was as a player. You know, I, right. I'm going to be a professional player, and I'm, I want to I want to live my life thanks to soccer and right. thanks to playing soccer. Coming over here has made me realize, well, you, you, there's other ways to other live ways. from your passion. Sure. And so I think that was a big um, a big step in my life, understanding that you don't have to be a player. You can be a coach, you can be a referee, you can be whatever it is. Um, and so I think getting involved into coaching was maybe the, the easiest step, uh, but also I just wanted to give back. I just had that, that feeling of um, sharing my experience and trying to give as much as I could to the kids here and to, to see them develop and, and, and learning the game and you know enjoying it, playing it. That, it it's awesome. So you, what is your role here with the, Rain, the Daphne Rangers Academy, Gulf Coast Rangers, as a coach? What, what, what's your um, role? So my, uh, my role, um, I am the under-13s leader coach. So I kind of oversee, um, as you know, we've got Daphne Rangers, and we have now uh, Fairhope Rangers um, that, uh, that both works on, on Pontiel under-12s. And then, of course, Rangers takes on from under 13s. So one of our objective was to try and find a way to um, combine those two ages, under 12s, from the two different academies um, earlier and before they reach the actual Rangers club. Okay. Um, so one of my role is um, to I'm taking sessions with both both teams and trying to get them to know each other uh, a little better because most of them know each other already from going to school or, or right. whatever. Um, but yeah, just getting them together on the field before they actually uh, are in a team together. Um, and then I'll, so I'll, I'll follow them for about two two years from when they get to under 12. They'll be with me uh, at under-13s, and I also have the under-14s. So it gives me, I've got a, a big, um, I've got an Im- important, I think, an important role in that transition uh, from the 99, you know, life to the uh, 11 I love side. The 11, yep. So, um, but I'm enjoying it. It's a, I love it. I love that age group. Um, I think the kids at this age, um, you know, they... they they're still a little bit naive, and they have that. Uh, they still aspire. They're, they're, they're looking at you, and they're like they're eating your words, you know. Um, so, it's a really, um, it's a really fun position. So, are you? Do you also do things with the club with goalkeeping? Yes, I uh, I am the uh, goalkeeper coach, if you would say. And. You do sessions with the keepers mm-hmm. within the club. Yeah, so we've got we've got sessions uh, set up every week, different age groups together, um, and so I see them once a week. And then I have um, I also have uh, my um, my own goalkeeper academy where I I see all the keepers that that want to do a little bit more uh, than than the training that we can do during the week and with the club. So it's uh, and it's working pretty well as well. So. As a, as a player, you you were able to kind of reignite that dream of continuing to play when Gulf Coast uh, 
mm-hmm. Rangers formed its first team, its men's team that played last year for the first time yes. in the Gulf Coast Premier League. And um, I'm assuming you will be back again with the team this year. Is it? Is it okay to say yeah? yeah. Have you made the, Have you made the team? <laughs> are, are we asking that? Are we putting you on the spot to ask that question? To, did you make know. the team? No, uh, I hope so. Okay, I hope so. So, um, so you're still playing a little bit. Yes. You're coaching. Mm-hmm. You're around the game, and you've been you've been here for some time now uh, in America, around the game, in the game, playing the game, coaching the game, and. You've got that seven to eight years plus your time when you grew up in France before you came. I want to, I want you to take a moment and compare the culture difference or similarities, uh, the differences or similarities between here in America, especially here in, in the Gulf South, Versus growing up in France with Lyon and the culture and the f- four minutes away and you hear the thunder, you know, of, of the, when a goal scored and what mm-hmm. what that what that's like. Compare the differences and, and whatever similarities you've noticed in, in youth players around here compared to what it was like growing up. I would start with similarities uh, because there they are a lot of them. At the end of the day... You know, they're kids, and they want to enjoy the game. They want to have fun. They want to play. They want to learn it. They want to be challenged. They want to grow with it. If they're playing it, they, you know. Um, so I would, I would say that that's the that's the main, the main similarities. The, the I think the biggest difference that you'll find is just the environment around it. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny because we we're lucky to have people here you know in, in our club and in, in in our surrounded areas that um that we can have conversation with and and um and i'm always reminded that even though it's it's different in the end the kids are the same um but i, I would say that the, yeah the biggest difference is the environment you know when when you talk to a 10 year old kid back home and you tell him i don't know you t- you play ten. I think he he'll have um, an understanding of of that role right away. Like he know what you're talking about. And I think some of the um, some of the battles that we are trying to fight or not fight but trying to overcome here is trying is getting to that point to st- telling any any kids, you know play this role and he automatically knows what you're talking about right um, so it's it's about watching the game it's about you know uh, being involved and and painting the pictures for them painting the picture of what it looks like um, which you don't have to do back home right so I think that's that's the biggest uh, the, the biggest difference is uh, kids back home they, 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 they eat breathe and, and, and sleep soccer that's that's just so it's ingrained in them it's yeah. the culture right mm-hmm. i mean it's you can't help but know what a number 10 is what the role is mm-hmm. what the position is what the responsibilities are um even even people who don't really like soccer back home like my mom was not a fan of the game she she didn't like it um but she 
she had no choice but knowing all the players' names. You know, you go from Zidane, obviously, but for someone that is not interested in soccer, she he was knows pretty who good. He is. Zidane was pretty good. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> um, but she knew who he was, and right. but she had no interest in soccer. But she knew who he was. So it's it's that type of thing. Like I, I was. Uh, you know, at first I was making fun of it when I was um, when I was first uh, coming into into Mobile and in the team. And I remember a, a boy in in, uh, in the locker room. We were talking about some game, and uh, and I think we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about Zidane, Beckham, and and Ronaldo, and some players. And and the boy um, he turned around. He was like, "Who who are you talking about?" And that to me was the first shock. Because all those names were big names to me. Right. That you know. You, <laughs> you should know, know. You should know. Right. And uh, and yeah, so here he was in the locker room playing college so college soccer just like me, not knowing who Zidane was. Right. And I was like, Wow. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a not only a hit to the French ego, it's a <laughs> it's a culture shock in terms of expectations yeah. of you know, knowing players, um, what do you what do you think the impact of growing up in a country that, like almost every country around the world, that it embraces promotion and relegation, FIFA compliance, the, this idea of opportunity for every club that if you're good enough, you can work your way up. You know the the pyramid of leagues to be to playing in in Ligue and you know rising to to um, historical you know levels right what do you think the impact of that has on the culture of these kids in France do you think that that helps make the game more important even to the kids that they want to know the players that they they care more because the communities care more, the cities care more? Um, I don't think that it would affect the, that aspect of the game, uh, relegation, promotion, it would affect too much the kids because at the end of the day, the kids are, are going to believe what, what you put in front of them. Right. So you put in front of them, you know, a show and and players and 50,000 people in the stand and in the stadium, they're going to be like, wow, I want to play on that field. Right. No matter the level of or quality that right. is going on. Uh, I think the biggest, the biggest impact is in passion. Fighting for relegation or promotion brings out the passion out of people. Right. Because now you're not just playing for uh, the club or or you know the logo or the kids that are in the club you're playing for an entire an entire city right an entire community because the if you go down people at the club may lose jobs right you go down one more there's no more jobs right so now you're impacting you're impacting the life of those people those people that you see every day in the cafeteria of the academy uh, the, the teachers, the, we're impacting everyone. So I think it brings out the passion of, you know, um, of, of the city. It's just everybody is behind it because it lets the that city shine for 
an amount of time, you know. Right. Uh, when right now you've got, especially in Ligue 1, you've got um, Paris obviously running and and beating, you know, the league. But for uh, for a long time it was it was Lyon before, and then um, there was uh, I think it was Montpellier that won it after uh, after Lyon, and that city was just just exploded. Right. Because it was it was huge. Right. And so I think yeah, just um, it brings out the passion of everybody. And, and and when you see the, you know, you take it to a step a step above, and you take the World Cup, and when you see people, I mean, streets in France this past summer were just unbelievable. You, you see people everywhere, and, and and when you think that a sport and a game with eleven guys or twenty bringing you know all these people together and you th- they must think like they're god right like uh, I'm, I'm i'm making this happen so it, i think it just brings out the passion like true passion true passion about the game it's a, it's a um, definitely something to me that experiencing european matches versus seeing soccer in america it is definitely, although, although functionally it's the same match, right? It's mm-hmm. 11 v. 11. Yeah. There's a stadium. There's pomp and circumstance. Um, you know, and so there's, in America, that there's this attempt to recreate the passion level that you see uh, in Europe. But I, I think without that mechanism, without creating the environments where people really care Mm-hmm. The passion level is really, really high. I don't think it's ever going to matter uh, to communities and to cities in America the way it does in Europe uh, until that is in place. Because it, it, you know, the the ability for a community and a kid in a community to grow up and aspire and to dream. That that is that is something that we see in American sports. It's it is a little bit different in that you have this college and university system that mm-hmm. will often you know a player will come out of high school and they'll play you know basketball for a year or football for three years, baseball in college, and then they'll go and try to play in, in the pros. And so the colleges and universities kind of act as academies in a way um, mm-hmm. for the professional sports. But, and there's a deep level of passion there. Um, but whenever you're a kid and you're growing up and you want to play American football, that becomes an option, a real option. You know, you can get to the University of Alabama or Auburn or LSU or, you know, Florida, some, some, co- you know, some, some college or school and get a chance. There's a pathway there yeah. and you can see it. It's real. You can aspire. You can dream big. We've had kids from this very, you know, community that are, at, that are in the NFL that have grown up in this same city. And yet we're not seeing soccer players uh, replicate that yet from, from this area and from a lot of areas around the country. And I think part of it comes back to the fact that the pathway isn't clear. The opportunity isn't clear. And the passion level uh, is not as high. Um, because, the, you know, if, for, for example, this summer, you're going you're gonna to lace them up and you're going to go out 
like like you did last summer, and you're going to play for the first team of the club. If that club had an opportunity at the end of that season to be playing at a higher league with more revenues and more opportunities and more eyeballs, the entire community gets more involved. Um, you know, it, it becomes something that becomes more important. Um, and, and I think it's, I think, I think that's one of those necessary next steps for the country to, in order to engage every city, every community, you know, it's fine that we have, you know, some MLS franchises in, in, you know, a couple dozen cities in America, but there are large swaths of this country that are, you know, in the dark, really, in terms of access and opportunity. And a community like this um, is, is never going to be getting an opportunity with a Major League Soccer franchise. But in an open system, maybe, maybe not, they, they ever reach the first division. Who knows? But the engagement of the community to go, this is our club. This is our community. This is our city. We're going to get behind our players. And when we sell a player on to a bigger club, we're going to be root. That player is kind of leaving with part of us, right? And and so you know he's one of us or she's one of us, and we're you know that we're rooting for them um, in the in in their success. When you when you look at the the World Cup victory from this past summer, I was a little critical of your your coach. I. I didn't. I didn't think. Uh, I think you. I think France won in spite of the coach. This is my opinion. I. I thought your the players that you have the talent was amazing, um, and and big fans of the players. Uh, we 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 have uh, a couple of them at Barcelona, my favorite club, and um, so like watching that team play. You know the the country won in '98. But to, to come full circle again 20 years later and, you know, see them do it again, um, what was that like? As, a, as, a, as someone who grew up in France, obviously you were um, on social media and in person waving that French flag as much as you could this <laughs> summer, right? This past summer you were, you were excited. So what was that like, being, being able to win the World Cup? Um. It's it's amazing, obviously, um, but I think the uh, the most important thing with that World Cup victory from France is the twenty years in between, right? The the the, the ups and downs that happened, you know, from '98 all the way up to uh, this past year. France has always been uh, one of the you know top uh, football countries. Um, since the victory in 98 and a little bit before that 94 as well um, but since 98 there was always always issues problems and the media and the players and you know scandals and, and this and that and 2006 with uh, Zidane against Italy and and so I think that um, one is showed that what people, I would say, what the federation is doing in France is working. Right. Um, 
but it's working it's working because um, the federation is leading it and and they're saying this is this is how we're going to do it and and you have no choice but doing like that it works it works it doesn't it doesn't we're lucky that it did um, and it doesn't mean that it would work for germany right it doesn't mean that it's wor- it would work for spain right because spain probably has a different approach that may work next year in two years um, but yeah i think um I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but uh, and I, and I feel lucky. I feel lucky to have a country that that, that is successful, especially in, in in the sport that I that I that I follow and and that I love. Um, but yeah, it's um, it was a good summer. It was a very good it summer. It was a for very you. good summer. <laughs> so, <coughs> what do you what what do you think that the French Federation is doing? And has done over the last, let's say, 10 years, right? These players are now coming in. I mean, you, I, I think looking forward, I, I don't know that, that France wins again in 2022. It's obviously hard to repeat World Cup. So not going to put that pressure on France in you know three years out because a lot can change, injuries, all kinds of things. But that collection of players is still going to be – in their prime. I mean, it's not like you won with an old group. If anything, you won with a young group, right? So what is France doing as a federation that, that you have learned about maybe discussions, maybe you've experienced some of it, maybe you've been over there and you've seen some of it, whatever. What do you think the French federation is doing that is working for France? Well, I think the, the biggest impact that the federation had is with the professional clubs. Um, We've got. We're lucky to have powerhouses like Paris, Lyon, that constantly um, have players coming out the academy, signing the professional contract with the first team, and having that uh, that experience of the high level very very early. Um, I I don't know in 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 very deeply what is actually going on. Um, I know that Lyon, for example, as a club has. They're, I mean, everything is in the academy is made so that the player feels as comfortable as possible and plays and, and leave at the best of their abilities in the classroom, on the field, everywhere. So they're, they're, they're treated like, like professional players. So the academy experience of the player... In, in at Lyon, mm-hmm. right? And you experienced that growing up some yourself. What is that like compared to an academy player at Rangers? What what is the what are, what is that like? Um, well, for example, if, if you take um, they'll train more. Um, they'll um, they'll probably leave together. As well in the academy, especially you know, at starting around 14, 15, uh, they'll train every day, go to go to class, um, have a game, you know, every weekend. Um, but the uh, the following they they receive um, in the academy, they have you know you have um, masseuse and you know you have all those type of things, little details, and the attention that is paid to details is is makes for for them to be 
as comfortable as they can. Um, is there is there education like in the academy? Mm-hmm. I mean, are there you know, so your basic when, core classes are those in the yeah, academy as so well? So it's a school example, as well. When I was when I was uh, under 16s, under 18s, we would have um, we would go to high school only for uh, science classes, uh, and the rest, uh, you know, English, French, history, uh, all those classes where uh, the teachers would come to the academy. Uh, give us a, so we were a class of like six, six or eight, and then from you know ten to twelve lunch, and then uh, one, two, three, and then practice again. So it, it's it, it's it's really just the environment that they're in, and 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 you just again you just breathe, and it's soccer all the time. Right. It, it never stops. Were you guys training in in close proximity with the first team? Mm-hmm. So, were you guys able to form relationships with? Yes, and, and the professional players love that. They, um, they would always, you know, uh, let us go in the locker room, or we 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 would be able to watch practice even even when it was uh, no public allowed. Uh, we, you really feel part of that family. You know, you you're part of that family. You're part of that club, um, and. You know, you go to the games and you're you're able to go. You know, after every, everyone's left, you're about able to go in the hallways and, and and see the players get in the locker room and 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 that's just, I mean, that's again, it seems normal at the time, but you realized that it's not. It's not and, normal. And, and you're lucky. It's special. Yeah, and you're very lucky. So if you were to, you know, you're here at this turn this. This Eastern Shore Premier Cup—it's it's a more of a festival style tournament. You guys have been r- trying to rethink, reimagine what the youth soccer com- competitive experience could look like, um, in trying some experimentations this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to to leave a message for players, to you know, especially those who aspire the way that you did as a kid to play as a professional, what would, the, what would your message be to an aspiring professional player here in America, maybe here at the, at the Rangers, at Gulf Coast Rangers, with the Daphne and Fairhope Academies? What, what would your message to them be if they aspire to be a professional soccer player? Don't stop loving the game. Um, that would be my first, my first message. Keep loving the game like you do. Um, work hard because nothing comes easy and becoming good is not magical you know you don't become good um, at night it takes a long time it takes perseverance it may take sacrifices um, and so once you get all those things you know in line and, and checked and then you, you may get the chance to to pursue your dreams but you know a lot of a lot of players pass on on those check boxes and think that they can reach whatever they may want to reach but in order to uh, achieve anything in life you have to have things in order and soccer is the same way you know if if you're spending you know four hours playing video games that's four hours you could have played you know juggled 
Turn right. the ball for four hours. You're gonna get better a lot, very very quick. Right. You know, um, pass the ball against the wall. Do you know? Just um, so just love the game. Keep working. Keep working hard, and make sure that all the the, the boxes are checked. So, as we wrap up this episode, mm-hmm. I want to I want to ask you one final question. Looking into the future, what are you, what are you aspiring to do? What are your dreams personally as a coach? You know, what, what do you what do you want to achieve in this game? You said you want to live it. You want it to be a part of what you do for the rest of your life. So. What is that dream for you? What does that look like? Um, I think now the, the, the dream has been to... Um, I'd love to take care of uh, goalkeepers, uh, specifically. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, work only with goalkeepers, uh, academies, or, and, and why not, you know, go on to uh, the professional world and, and, and work with professional goalkeepers as well. I think that would be that would be a dream, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show, and um, glad that you you spent some time uh, talking us through the the French national team, Lyon, yes. yeah. life growing up that in France, awesome. um, and the differences between the American, uh, especially here in the Deep South, Gulf South. Uh, culture and what you experience in France. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.